This episode of My Views Are My Own was brought to you by William Mitchell Audio. Are you ready for the world to hear you read your manifesto? Then you need, no, you deserve the best sound available. Go to williammitchellaudio.com. All right, my guest today is Jennifer Denise Cooley. She's a psychotherapist, musician, former professional international high fashion model, international film festival winner, creative virtuoso, and outdoors enthusiast. She's currently getting her doctorate in applied psychology and is expecting to release her self-produced EP sometime soon when her brother finishes the album art. Uh, so does that mean that I have to start calling you Dr. Cooley or can I still call you Jen because we cool like that? So just call me Jen. And I'm in the first year of the doctoral program and I have about two more to go. So it'll be a while. Okay, cool. So, but then I have to call you doctor. No, I mean, if you want to, you can, but yeah. I guess it'll depend on like what's going on. Yeah, you can do it. Yeah, whatever. You can call me Jen. You can call me Dr. Jen. If we're ever on an airplane and someone's like, is there a doctor? I'll, I'll, I'll point at you. I'll be like, her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That'll right, work. So I have a ton of questions I want to ask you, but first I want to tell a short story real quick. If that's cool. I, I just think it would explain kind of how I know you to begin with. Yeah. Go and for it's it. It's kind of a funny story. And I think you might have a different memory of it than I do, but it was, uh, so we used to be in a band together a year right. ago. And we played this hippie festival that was kind of like an after Bonnaroo type thing. Do you remember that? I know, I was just thinking about that because I, I was like, where was that? That was the most amazing place. It was in the middle of nowhere. There were giant teepees everywhere. And when I explain this to people, I have no idea where it is. Like I, yeah, there was a there's actually a TP in, in the in the story that I was gonna bring up because uh, uh, yeah it was a hippie festival at, at a place called Hippie Hill. Okay. Honestly, I couldn't put it out on a map. I, we went there in a van, and Dominic was driving, so yeah, I, like I couldn't I couldn't find my way back. But uh, so my experience was that so we got there, we were supposed to play at sunset. That was like that, that was when I agreed to book us for that show, and we got there, and they kept pushing us back and pushing us back. And before we left, uh, we had bought two bottles of Jameson. And we are like, oh, okay, we'll have some drinks before we get on stage. And then afterwards, we'll party with these hippies and it'll be great. But they pushed us back and back and back until, I don't know, we went on like maybe two in the morning. And we'd already finished both those bottles. And I got on stage. And it's the first time this ever happened to me, but I forgot my lyrics. <laughs> and so I was just like trying to wing it. And then I started jumping up and down. I don't know if you remember this, but then I broke a hole through the stage. Oh my gosh. I, I fell into the stage. <laughs> I had to crawl, oh my gosh, that I had to crawl back so out of the funny. stage. I totally forgot about that. That's amazing. So I crawled back out of the stage and I'm like, all right, here I am. I don't know my lyrics. I just jumped and broke the stage, fell through, got out. And I guess this is a little bit of a story about you being uh, competent because after that, and this is the only time I've ever done this, I decided I was going to walk off stage. I've only done it once, and that was the day. But I looked at you, and I was like, all right, Jen's got this. I don't need to be here. <laughs> I walked off stage, and I just went to like the closest teepee, and uh, got in there, and, and everybody was like, oh, wow, 
like that singer, she's so good. She's got such a great voice. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm in that band. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, I don't, you know, those were good times. I remember just singing random songs. It was nothing on the set list. It was none of our songs. I don't think that we had as a group. I think they were just random songs and I was singing acapella. Yeah, it was like, no, you just totally just... There was no band. You improvised the entire rest of the show because we had written songs. Like I was supposed to be the rapper and I dipped. Like after I fell through the stage, I was like, I'm out of (laughs) here. That was amazing. But I do remember, uh, I remember being in a teepee and everybody being like, oh, wow, I love her voice. She's so amazing. And I was like, and I kept being like, yeah, I'm in that band. (laughs) I just decided to leave in the middle of the show. What did Dom do? I feel like Dom was just like, maybe dancing around or something like i don't even maybe he, everybody walked off stage honestly don't even remember well uh, uh justin i i from what i heard later is he stepped in the hole that i made and like <laughs> twisted his ankle so i think he had to get off stage too i think it might have ended up being like eventually just you and dominic and yeah. i know he was uh i mean he had some electronic equipment so it was probably just like electronic set and you singing so finally ended up being anywhere but uh I know. I just wanted to bring up that story because it was a fun story from the past, and that's just so the listeners know. Like, oh, this is how I know you. Like, uh, yeah, you were in a band, but that yeah, I haven't seen you since then. I mean, like, or, I mean, I've seen you since then, maybe a few times, but that was like back when we were in a band. It's super cool. But yeah, moving on. and the name of our band. Oh, uh, Dub Poet Society, and you, I think you can still find some of our stuff around, maybe on YouTube. I don't know. I kind of hope not. But. <laughs> yeah, I kind of hope not too. <laughs> Dominic yeah. will occasionally send me a video and I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> we were just learning. We were trying to find ourselves. Well, we didn't ever do rehearsals. We did all of our rehearsals live on stage. Yeah. So and, and, and the band every single time we did a show had a different like there was different members of the group. Yeah. Like occasionally really we had like I remember that was uh, this, we had like different percussionists and we had a saxophone player. We had yeah. you singing. We had me rapping, and then sometimes Dominic was rapping. It was it, it was it was crazy. But I, I, but I want but I want to talk about you. I just wanted to bring up that little story. So uh, I've always known you as an entrepreneur, and you always have a lot of projects going on. But I want to go uh, way back to the beginning of your first career uh, when you first started traveling the world as a runway model and i guess you were basically a kid when you kind of got started in that and i guess my question is how did you make that happen like how did you just say hey i'm gonna dip out to europe as a teenager so i was a kid and i was born and raised in paris tennessee which is a very small town in northwest tennessee and you know i It's not like anybody set me up to do that. I pretty much had all the odds against me, but uh, it was just, I knew that I had the build for it. I was 5'10 and a size zero when I was 14 years old. And I did some research and I took it upon myself to find a, a modeling competition. I actually, I went to the modeling competition with a broken elbow and a full cast on the entire length of my left arm. Awesome. And they, they uh, still accepted me into the, the competition. It was called Pro Scout and um, convinced my mom to let me go. And I won. I actually got more callbacks that day than anybody in Pro Scout history, I think. 
um, in Memphis, Tennessee. And I signed, I first signed with BMG in Chicago. Um, they actually told me that I was too commercial and that I didn't have uh, an editorial look and I wasn't international enough to work overseas. So at the same time, I'd been talking to the late JJ Cortez, who was a manager in New York City at the time. And um, I decided to leave um, Chicago and I signed with him. And I was on a flight to Singapore about two months later. And That's I was six And er, you were no, still four, how old were you? I was actually 17 when I first started overseas. Crazy. So, so you, were like, you flew to Singapore at 17 years old. I did. And it was actually during the SARS epidemic, which um, actually brought back some memories since we have this current pandemic of COVID-19 going on. Yeah, for sure. I went to Singapore during the SARS epidemic at 17. And, um, and my career kind of took off from there. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I just, it's a great story. I mean, like, that, that just uh, speaks to like, who you are as a person, though, to be like, all right, here I am you know, at 17. Like, I'm going to dip out and go do something huge. Where, you know, yeah, and honestly, I think I don't think you know it happened really quickly. I just I believed in myself, and thankfully, I had a I have a good mother who um, has always supported my dreams and just sort of let me pursue them. She didn't prevent me from it. She didn't really push me to do it either, but she just she wanted to be there and be supportive of me. So, um, yeah, that's how it started. I think uh, my biggest trip when I was seventeen is. I wanted to go to this skate park that was in Tampa and uh, I got a Greyhound bus ticket with uh, some of my homies. And I was like, we're going to go to the Tampa pro skate contest. And at the time I was like, this is huge, you know, <laughs> no parents of 17. So right. definitely not on your level, but <laughs> you made me think. Well, of it. I actually, I went to college when I was 16. So I moved out of the house at a young age and I already had acquired this level of independence um, that was very, very strong. And I've always been very strong willed. And, um, I had, you know, I told myself, this is what I'm going to do. And, you know, yeah. And, and you did it, which is amazing. Actually, I, I have another memory. Uh, cause, uh, one time I got to be your bodyguard at one of your photo shoots. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. I mean, I, I was pretending to be a bodyguard. But uh, that was super fun for me because I love to pretend to be a badass. Right. <laughs> no, you are a badass. Well, so uh, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, you did. You accompanied me on a shoot in Nashville, I believe. You're like, hey, this might be sketchy. I need a bodyguard. Will you pretend to be a bodyguard? And I was like, oh, yeah, I love acting. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have a, another. Uh, there's an, one time I was a, I was a bar back at this uh, bar and they had rented out their entire upstairs for this party, but it ended up being like really rowdy. And, you know, I was the, I, I was just a bar back. I wasn't supposed to be doing anything, but they were like, Hey man, we'll give you an extra hundred bucks at the end of the night. If you just go up there and pretend to be the bouncer. And so I was like, well, yeah. But I, then I was like, well, Hey, does my character like, does he know Kung Fu or like, is he ex special forces with a dark past? And this is like the last time they asked me to do that. <laughs> actually, we, uh, I actually had to kick some dudes out. And the first thing I did is I went and got the biggest bartender. We had one dude that was like, I don't know. He was like, six seven and like just jacked and i was like hey man will you come stand behind me while i kick these dudes out because uh i don't want these guys to try and fight me <laughs> nice hold up it's time for an ad here's a short trailer for a fun animated film coming out this summer a small italian restaurant has fallen on hard times 
They have one last chance to impress a grumpy food critic before they go out of business for good. But they have one tiny secret that's a big surprise. There's a rat in the kitchen. He's my friend. I'm just a rat that loves making great lasagna. Can this tiny rat solve this restaurant's big problems? Oh no, the water is boiling. Don't worry guys, I know what I'm doing. Coming this summer, Rat Lasagna, Rated G. Alright guys, Rat Lasagna sounds like it's going to be a fun and a funny movie. I can't wait to check it out and I hope you guys do too. Alright, back to the interview. But speaking of crazy stories and all that, uh, do you have a, like, a, from your time being an international model and, you know, working in high fashion and all that stuff, do you have, like, one story that I could, that you could say is maybe the craziest story that happened or in the top 10, something you would share? So, um, I, you know, I, all sorts of things happened. It was definitely quite an adventure. Um, I kind of lived by the seat of my pants. So I think every trip I went on, every country I went on, something, you know, wild happened. But uh, since we were talking about my first trip to Singapore during the SARS epidemic, I was, um, I had never been to a, a modeling job or a modeling casting in my life. The first job I ever got was in Singapore. So I fly over there. It's, a, it's like a 24-hour flight. And I get there, of, I think it was over a weekend. And uh, I meet my neighbor. He's a British man. And we were talking about SARS. And he's like, oh, you have nothing to worry about um, as long as you stay out of the hospital. Mm -hmm. so Monday morning rolls around. I get a fax from my agency. They give me directions on where to go. I catch a cab. I start getting this cramp, this horrible cramp. Uh, in my side, in my lower side, and in my back. And then I start feeling nauseous. I'm on the first casting I've ever been on in my life. And next thing I know, I'm doubled over in the floor of this casting in excruciating pain. Uh, I, I leave the casting. I kind of crawl out, make my way to the street, hail a cab, crawl into the cab, go, I give him my my address, I believe it was in Mandarin, and he delivers me to the agency that I've never been to in my life. I am crying hysterically. My face is covered in mascara and snot and tears, and I sort of crawl into the agency, and that's the first time my agents ever laid eyes on me, and they sent me straight to the ER. Oh, wow. And uh, I actually, it turns out I had kidney stones and they moved apparently when I flew over. I don't know if it was the elevation or what. Um, but yeah, that's, that was my first modeling experience. So, so you're in Singapore at 17. The first thing, uh, someone tells you is like, you're fine as long as you stay out of the hospital. And then the first thing you do is you have to go to the hospital. <laughs> I ended up in the ER. Everybody's wearing masks. Everybody was wonderful though. I was very impressed with the technology, um, the medical technology in Singapore. I remember that sticking out to me. I was like, wow, this is amazing. They're, they have such excellent technology here. And the, the care was wonderful and I recovered. It was fine. But yeah, that was my first experience. I'm well, sure my like mother was freaking out over here in the U.S. Was there a lot of uh, like English speakers and you didn't have to worry that much about like knowing the language or 
Yeah, the cool thing about Singapore is English is their primary language. I believe it's English and Mandarin, but oh, it's I an didn't incredible know that. country. It's the size of D.C. I think it has about 5 million people there now. I think then maybe there was about 3 million people. Okay. Um, it's extremely safe and extremely clean. So I think my first experience overseas, I wouldn't have wanted it anywhere else. It was, yeah. it was a very cool experience. That's awesome. Um, so moving kind of forward now, cause I know, um, just like from, you know, these days, a lot of what I see, what you do is just kind of on social media. And right. so I know you're into archery and, uh, bow hunting. I've seen you, uh, posting venison re- recipes. Uh, but what I don't know is have you ever seen the movie Bambi? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just <laughs> sorry. I'm just kidding. So yeah, um, that's a good so movie. Fast forward, I got out of that a few years ago, and I really started focusing on academia and my career um, as a clinician and my family. And I, you know, I kind of boomeranged around the world, and I returned to live a quiet, simple life in the middle of nowhere. And you know, sure. just through the territory. Um, I actually bought a bow. I bought my first bow in, at the end of 2017. And I bought a PSE Stinger, which is really um, a great bow. And I bought it because my oldest son was into archery. He was shooting competitively. And I wanted to sort of um, do something with him so that I could bond with him. and. Um, when I got into it, I fell in love with it, and uh, I started shooting competitively. I heard it's uh, really meditative. Yeah, it's an it's an incredible um, for me. It, it does so much for me. It's a mindfulness exercise. Whenever you're shooting a bow, you're very much in control of your breathing and your position and your form, and um, just getting into nature is so transformative and healing in itself. And it really gets you outside, and um, so I really. And it's an art; it really is. Archery is uh, an art. So no, that's, for sure. And then, as far as the cooking, you know, I love to eat wild game. I love to, you know, we. I'm from a family of outdoorsmen, and um, that's how I feed my family. And a lot of, well, actually, the majority of what I get, my my son harvest. So that's my thing. And I think that's, you know, that's cool. It's like, a you know, I've never, I've never actually eaten uh, any wild game. Wow. Well, you should come over and I will cook you dinner. <laughs> Can you make like a hamburger out of it or? Yeah, absolutely. So anything you make with like with beef, you can essentially make with venison. So you can get ground venison, you can get steaks, you can have all sorts of things. So, yeah, we um, whatever we harvest, we eat. So. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. I mean, that's that's the way to be. I honestly, like, I feel like uh, more people that you know that want to be mediators should uh, experience what it's like to hunt your own meat, clean it, Absolutely. cook it, and then that's uh, you know, and then and then I, I think a, a lot of this uh, discourse that we have about whether or not you should eat meat, I think that would be changed. I think you know some people that don't have like that don't have. I guess what it takes to uh, go hunt their own meat. Maybe they should be vegetarians. I don't know. <laughs> I think a lot of people would go vegetarian if they had to hunt their own food. I, I would. 
Yeah, I mean, Actually, I don't know, man. I've, I've never, I'd never have had the opportunity to. I've only been fishing. That's like the closest thing I've done to hunting. So, yeah. yeah. But you know, that's nowhere nearly what it must be like to like hunt a deer and then clean the deer, uh, all it's, that. Um, you know, it's like a almost a birthright out here. I think it's it's common for people who live in the rural parts of America and the rural parts of the world. It's the way. It's a way of life. It's the way many people feed their families. And it's healthier. You know, you're not getting these government science experiment giant chickens with like eight legs. Yeah, exactly. At these factory farms. I don't know. And and I may be exaggerating a little bit, but um, it's healthier. You know, you're not getting all the additives that you get with factory farmed meat. And um, you know where your meat is coming from. I I 100% support uh, uh, hunting for your own food uh, as opposed to buying your uh factory farmed meat from a supermarket because i i definitely think it's a better thing i just i think it's better all around i think it's better spiritually i think it's better for the environment and obviously uh i mean hunters are a big part of why we have environmental protections absolutely absolutely can i ask you a few more questions about uh the bow hunting stuff like it gets a little dumber for a minute but then i've got real questions coming after that yeah go for it it's not just um venison though we also you know, my, my family, they go on rabbit hunts and squirrel. My, I was my actually going to ask you that. Like, oh, that's cool. Just squirrel hunt. And I've made all sorts of things. The, the most interesting thing I made um, actually came from a guy from my social media who hit me up and was like, wow, I have all kinds of meat in my freezer and I would love to send you some. And it came from a farm in Texas. So I ended up being like, it was an intuitive thing. It was really almost like a, sure, okay. I had a good feeling about it. I didn't know the guy at all. So I'm thinking, okay, I hope he's not crazy. I hope he doesn't send me like roadkill or, you know, <laughs> human, human flesh or something like that. But he ended up sending me scimitar oryx, which is endangered in the wild. But in Texas, uh, uh, what kind of animal is that? I don't know what that is. So it's a grazing animal similar to. Deer. Oh yeah, an oryx. They have like the the curl the curled antlers. Is that right? Am I correct? I think so, or maybe it's the pointed ones. I, th- I don't know for sure. Right. But so anyhow, he you can still hunt this this species on a farm in Texas, which is. Um, okay. Yeah, I've, I've heard about that where they uh, they transport animals into like certain preserves, and you can hunt there, mm-hmm, and it's. Can- uh, it's exotic, these exotic farms. That it's kind of like how uh, they brought bison back. How, uh, yeah, the, and it's interesting. It, it does, it's a subject that I think um, is surrounded by controversy. A lot of people are on the fence about it. They don't um, support it. And then I have many people that do. I uh, would rather the meat that's harvested obviously be consumed and um, be harvested for a purpose. So I ended up cooking it for my family and it was excellent. And, um, so yeah, that was an interesting experience. And ultimately that's a, a cruelty free way of, uh, obtaining your meat. I think so. I think it's, if, as, if you're a good shot, I guess. Well, I don't think you need to hunt if you're not a good shot. I don't think, I think that the idea is to inflict the least amount of pain and suffering onto the animal as possible. And, um, and that's why, you know, I think it's a, 
it's definitely something that people have to commit themselves to. They commit themselves to getting better and more efficient and they train for it. And um, it's not an easy thing to do. So I think uh, the life of another animal, you know, that's a big deal. Wait a minute. It's time to reach into the mailbag and see if we've got any letters. From now on, each week, we're going to take a little bit of time to reach in the mailbag and to see if anyone has written a letter to the show. Okay. Today, we have a letter from Ruth Rombird via Instagram direct message. Ruth wrote, <clears throat> Chin chin, my boy. Do you sad without a puss? Find a beautiful lady for hot holiday. Here you will meet a girl from your town. Okay. Thanks, Ruth. I appreciate you writing into the show. Now back to the interview. I'm curious uh, of your of your take, uh, like I guess like in the community of hunters. I'm not a hunter, so I don't really know. But personally, I have more respect for a bow hunter than a person that uses a high-powered rifle. I think it's a... But is that kind of a thing like in that community to be like, if you're a bow hunter, you're just cooler than the people that, uh, <laughs> that cheat? <laughs> I don't think it's cheating at all. I don't think using guns is cheating. I think it's, no, I don't think it, I think bow hunting is challenging. And especially when you get into long bows and traditional archery, there's, um, all sorts of challenges that come with that. Um, uh, and that's something that I, I really wanted to get into more was traditional archery, but I had to take a back seat with archery kind of in general, because my focus is um, sort of on academia now. And yeah, uh, sure. So I, I don't think that bow hunters are cooler. I think that <laughs> everybody has their place in the community and um, it's all for conservation. And um, I think it's a, I think there's a mutual respect there. All right. Absolutely. Um, you honestly, you answered a ton of the questions I was going to ask just uh, because you're a good speaker. <laughs> uh, but uh, maybe there's a few more about uh, bow hunting before we move to the next thing. Yeah, go for it. All right. Uh, is there a vegan option for bow hunting? <laughs> You know, I've never thought about that, but now that I'm thinking about it, I mean, I guess if you wanted to go shoot some plants and <laughs> harvest your plants. I was going to yeah. say you could just shoot a deer, but then not eat it. But that's like super unethical. So that's not a good, that that's is not, good. not okay. That's why I have experts come on the show so that I don't say idiotic stuff like that to people. Yeah. 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 It's, um, <laughs> That's why you're here so that I'm not sitting here saying like, if you want to be a vegan bow hunter, shoot the deer, don't eat it. That's just, yeah. I think, also, I don't think most vegans probably. I was going like, to say, it might go against vegan, um, the, the vegan belief. So. You know what you could do? You could, uh, you could just get into archery and just shoot targets and probably like. Honestly, that's, I think. A, drink a smoothie. So, absolutely. And that's when you, when you get into competitive archery, you're shooting targets. So 3D, you shoot in the woods, which is cool because um, they set up a course of about 20 targets and you are, you know, you're going through the woods. It's not like a, there's a trail and there's, I mean, there's usually like a beaten path, but, you know, you're still battling, you know, snakes and ticks and uh, poison ivy and, you know, whatever's in the woods. So 
I think half of the course, whenever I started, I was in the women's hunter division. So half the course, you can use a range finder, um, which is how you gauge how far away your target is. And then the other half, you don't use a range finder, which I loved because it challenges you to gauge how far away your target is um, on your own. So I, for just for fun, I'll just be sitting around the house and kind of look at something across the room and think, oh, I think that's about 15 yards away. And then oh, I'll, that's cool. I'll test it with my range finder and see how accurate I am. But range finding is, a, is an art as well. Things in the woods are, you perceive distance different in the woods than you do in an open field. So yeah, you learn all sorts of things that take years and years to really master. And, um, and that's what I love about archery. Archery is one of those lifelong sports that you can start when you're a child. You can continue to shoot until old age. There's plenty of um, seven-year-olds out there shooting a bow. Yeah, that's a great sport for longevity. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I've, I've become an expert of uh, sitting on my couch and throwing trash into the trash can in my kitchen without yeah. having to get up. So maybe, I'd be, maybe I would be a good archer. I don't know. But yeah, <laughs> you probably would. A little like, eye-hand coordination. Uh, this leads me into my next question, and I think you might have answered. You're saying like being in the woods and battling uh, snakes and ticks. Have you ever slept in a tent? Yes. Me too. You have. Yeah. Yeah. It was okay. <laughs> it was all right. Yeah. I mean, I don't like, I, I like prefer uh, hotels, but like tents are cool. Tents are cool. Um, and now they have so many cool tents, you know, they have all kinds of fancy gear now. Yeah. Uh, like people actually I bought a camper like, last year and it took my camping experience to a whole new level. Oh yeah, like you're camping, but you're like inside of like a house, a little like, mini like a portable house. house. Yeah. yeah, that's Very yeah. Incredible. I would love to have one of those. Yeah, I recommend it. Um. All right. One last question about bow hunting. Uh, have you ever shot a fish with your bow and arrow? Like, have you ever like and then like pulled it out of the river with a string? Have you? No, that? but that is something that's on my list. Actually, I think I'm gonna buy a bow fishing bow because I think that's incredible. I'm glad you asked. That is something that I really want to get into. I think that's like one of the coolest styles of fishing ever. It's just like, like I mean, it's I guess what is it? Kind of like fly fishing. You kind of you get in the river. You got your bow and the, bow and arrow, and you got to like figure out the light refraction and where the fish actually is. Yeah. Before you uh, release, and then you just pull it out with a, like a fishing line, right? Yeah, I'm glad you reminded me because that's something that I need to do that I've been wanting to do for about a year. It's been on my list, and I just I haven't, you know. Oh, well, hopefully, in the future, you'll come back on the show again, and then I'll ask that question again. You'll be like, "Yeah, I totally did that exact thing." <laughs> Actually, I was so my trip to Florida was canceled. We were going to go to Florida for spring break. And that was one of the things I asked about. I was, I requested, I was like, you know, is there any way that we could bowfish while we're there? Because I would love to do that. And then our trip got canceled. So, uh, I know it's like, that's happening to everybody right now. It's like all, all kinds of boring stuff. Hey, but at least this podcast is happening. That's right. Because we can do this through Zoom. Shout out to Zoom. Although they're not, one of, my, they're not one of my ads. I shouldn't shout, I, mean, I should shout them out because they offer this free uh, service as long as I don't, have more than four people uh, in one conference, I think. And I don't quote me on this, but I almost think that 
Zoom is extending their um, services to medical practitioners, therapists, and um, maybe um, individuals who are able to practice now in good faith. Yeah. Speaking of therapists, I honestly, I knew we, we didn't have enough time to get into everything. Uh, and this is not the next question that I had on my, uh, my to-do list of things to try and uh, ask you about. Okay. But it is important because I do want to know uh, where are you headed uh, with uh, with therapy? Like, uh, what, uh, I guess what my question would be: Had I written one, <clears throat> uh, do you have a specific field? So right now, I currently work with um, individuals who are suffering from substance use disorder. I've been working with that particular population for about a year, and it's not something that I you know, thought that I was going to get into when I was in grad school, I actually, it was not even in the back of my mind. I, I kind of envisioned myself going into private practice, which I may still down the road. I envisioned myself working with a more broad population, but it's a, it's something that sort of found me. And, uh, I accepted a job at a facility that, um, works with individuals who are suffering from opioid use disorder and, um, and I really enjoy it. So I'm not going to limit myself to working with that specific population. I'm very much open-minded with it as far as, you know, where I want to go. And, um, but right now that's where I'm at and I really enjoy it. So. I mean, uh, I can't think of something that's, uh, any more needed than that. I mean, especially. Yeah. I mean, we have an obvious crisis in the world right now with opioids and it's, um, yeah. There is a definite need for that. So I think I'm in the right place. It was, it was an epidemic before we had this new pandemic we're doing. Right. Exactly. Hold up. It's time for an ad. This episode was also brought to you by Chips. Mmm, yay, Chips. I love Chips, and so can you. You can find Chips in your local chip aisle or wherever Chips are sold. Use promo code MYVIEWSAREMYOWN for 25% off your first bag of Chips. Now back to the interview. Um, but more about that, I guess, on another day, because I definitely want to get into the fact that you have a new EP coming out. I do, yeah. And I want to know, uh, and I know, I know when I read the introduction that it will, it'll be released when the album art is uh, finished. Yes. Do you have a, can you like, can you ballpark for us when you're so I'm ballparking about June? My brother did complete my album art and he's awesome. So thank you, Jesse. Uh, Thanks, Jesse. Yeah. And it's something that, you know, I'm not, it's, you know, music is something that I've always done. It's something I've been a singer since I was a little girl. I've been writing songs since I was a little girl. It's just part of who I am. And I think we are all multifaceted people. We have different things that we like and different things that we're good at. And music is just something that is, I'm always going to do it if I can. And uh, it's hard to stop once you've started. I still make music, even though I'm not really trying to do. Yeah, I don't, I don't like uh, just for fun. Absolutely. So that's sort of why I do it for me. It's a way to cope. It's therapeutic for me. Just the, uh, the act of creating is, a healing um, and empowering skill that I have and I've acquired throughout my life. And, and I, for years I didn't record any music, but I continued to write. And then, and it's sort of similar to my career. It sort of found me 
it, I, I have a friend that is a rapper and he asked me to sing on one of his songs. His name is Fade. And I was, I said, sure. So I ended up going to the studio where I met an engineer and we became friends. And next thing I know, I'm like, Hey, I may as well use this opportunity and record some songs. And we did. And, and it's sort of, I recorded the songs over the course of probably a year and a half. And you know, it's not like I have this ridiculous production team behind me. It's very much, um, I wrote everything myself. I, you know, we, we found beats online that I liked that I wrote to. And, um, you know, so there's a lot of, uh, it's very independent. It's completely independent. I'm releasing it on DistroKid. I am not really even promoting it very much at all because again, I'm a, I'm really focused on my career as a therapist. So it's sort of a side project that I'm just going to release into the world. For sure. And if people like it, great. If they don't, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. So uh, for me, what, what, uh, what is the, where, where are you releasing it? So I'm releasing it on all platforms and I'm releasing, I'm self-releasing it through DistroKid. What's uh what is uh DistroKid? So DistroKid is a, um, it's, well, it's a way for musicians to self-publish and self-release. And so you just pay a small fee and you upload your information and your music and you release it and it releases to whichever platform or all platforms. Oh, and it's on Spotify and... and all at one time. It's oh, yeah. So that's like how I'm doing this podcast. I have the same Absolutely. kind of deal. I have a hosting site and then, then I'll be on iTunes, Spotify, all that. Type Absolutely. Stuff. So it's incredible. It's an incredible tool for independent artists. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I, uh, I listened to your new track, uh, unattainable. Mm-hmm. And I got honest to say, I really liked it a lot. Um, yeah. Can we expect the entire album to be that good or are there better? So, songs? You know, I think I'm the, I'm my own worst critic. I think we all are in a sense that for sure when it comes to our art, I, you know, I could have released this about a year ago, but I sat on it and I just, you know, I just didn't want to do anything with it. I wasn't ready to do anything with it. I wasn't completely satisfied with it. And I finally came to a point where I, I just don't know if I'll ever be completely satisfied. You know, every time I listen yeah. to this song, I'm like, I wish I could have done this. I would like to change this or I want, I wish it sounded like this, or I Maybe I should sing it like this. And I have to, I just had to stop doing that. And I, I think all the songs are similar, but they're all a little different and um, they all have a, you know, their own vibe. And I just, you know, it is what it is. I'm putting it out there. It was a therapeutic release for me. And if you relate to it, great. And some of the songs and maybe all of the songs aren't necessarily songs that I'm attached to and you know that's the thing with music is I think we are able to create something that I don't need them anymore so I'm going to give them to the universe and someone else might need it now you know yeah for sure yeah uh, when I was listening to it uh, it reminded me so I mean obviously it was, it was very unique and it's definitely Jen Cooley it was definitely you but there was also uh I noticed like some kind of like uh, hints of some other artists that I really like a lot too. And I was like, Oh, this reminds me of uh, this other artist that I like. And this reminds me of this other artist that I like. And I was like, that's kind of cool. That, uh, I guess in the sense that uh, 
I just think that a lot of people can really enjoy this music, you know, because these, uh, does it make sense? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So I think some of my influences are definitely, uh, like when Lena Del Rey came out, I was like, Oh my gosh, she's amazing. It's like, I just, yeah, I, hear that. I could, I related to her so much, um, as far as a musician and, um, so I've gotten that before. I've gotten all sorts of different things, but it's I mean, definitely. I heard like a, li- a little bit of like Lily Allen. I like think I heard like a little bit of Fiona Apple. Like, not like uh, that you were in any way emulating. I'm just saying like there was like a you know when uh, what are those people that uh, sommeliers when they drink wine and they're like oh there's a hint of uh, yeah elderberry in this wine <laughs> this glass of wine you know what I mean <laughs> it's like obviously this is your own wine it's from your own it's from your own vineyard. Or whatever, right. and it's more just like I think in my mind, the same way that a sommelier would be like, "Oh, I taste cherries," because they didn't put any cherries in that wine. But does that make right. sense? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So um, I really love hard trappy beats. I've always loved a hard bassline. I love drum and bass, and I just sort of married a soft, sweet voice with some of the lyrics are a little bit dark. Um, you know, but I, you know, that's just where I was at when I wrote it. I wasn't necessarily in a dark place. And I, I, it seems like my songs are, uh, they kind of have a sad vibe, but I'm not a sad person. So I don't know if it's just, I don't know why I write all these songs that are seemingly kind of sad or dark. Um, but again, like I said, I'm just putting them into the world. I'm giving them away. So maybe somebody out there will listen to it and identify with it or, or so nobody should expect on your album for you to just be going DJ Cooley. No, that's, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so, so you're not going to do like a DJ Khaled style, yell your name on every single no, song. I'm, that you not. Make? I'm not, but you know, what's <laughs> been really cool is going. And so this is something that I've learned. I learned this from, the engineer that I work with named jazz. He's so cool. And he is, he's shown me all sorts of things, but mostly how to um, work with producers that you find online. And there's so much networking online now with producers from all over the world. So the, the people that produce my beats, one of them is named Goldino star and he lives in France. Um, one of them lives in the, I, I can't remember exactly where he lives, but it's Tundra Beats and he's overseas somewhere. And so, but to be able to connect with these people and, you know, it's, it's been such a powerful, a powerful thing. I think as far as music goes, music is in a really cool place right now where we have Absolutely. This, this huge network of people at our fingertips and people 20 years ago would have died to have that opportunity. Uh, yeah, I was there. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, I remember 20 years ago wanting to make tracks and having to deal with, uh, pretty subpar producers making yeah. like beats on fruity loops. And I'm just like, I'll take what I can get. I want to make a song. And yeah. now it's like, now there's incredible producers making incredible music. And now you can put your voice, and uh, and combine that with great beats and great tracks, and it's uh, and you can do it like the same way that we're doing this podcast. You're still you're out in the middle of nowhere, uh, and you know, but we can still connect. Absolutely, and then the same goes for the guy that does my mixing and mastering. His name is Yoji, and he lives in Hollywood, 
And I met him through someone else. I've never actually met him in person, but I've been working with him for two years now. So it's another connection that I've made that he's just such an incredible engineer and so talented. And if we didn't have these resources, I wouldn't have been able to record the music that I did record. So, well, speaking of which, Dr. Cooley, uh, we're coming to the end of our time. This has been great. I'm so glad you came on the podcast. You have to come back though, because I didn't even get to one fifth of the questions I wanted to ask you. Oh no! <laughs> totally answer them. Oh no! Uh, just uh, how about will you be a guest on the podcast again in the future? Absolutely. All right, great. Uh, I want to let it, let uh, let everyone know that uh, Dr. Cooley will be playing us out with her new track off her new album. Oh, I didn't ask. What is the name of the album? my fault so i don't think that the album has a name i was thinking i've really oh, okay. kind of been cool. bouncing that back and forth in my head i'm like i'm not gonna name it it's just gonna be you know gin it's All just right. g-i-n gin and um yeah that's it okay well i'll do my best to uh when it is out to try and get people to find that but awesome. otherwise until then everyone just google gin g-i-n non-stop until this album is released Jen Cooley, yes. Thank Jen Cooley, uh, soon to be Dr. Cooley for sure. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to play us out, or you're, I mean, obviously you're going to play us out with the new track, Unattainable, off the Untitled album by Jen Cooley. And Jen, thank you so much for having, uh, oh wait, I had you on the show. Thanks so much for coming on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was so good to talk to you. It's been way too long. And yes, you are absolutely invited to my house for dinner. We will eat some wild game and shoot. All right. Yeah. As soon as this quarantine's over, I'm I gotta get out and start doing things. I gotta get out and Absolutely. see people. I've been I'm going crazy. I've I've been eating um macaroni and cheese for every single day for like 10 days. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm excited to try venison. I uh, I hope that it's uh I hope it's good. <laughs> I think you're gonna be amazed. I think I will be. I I like most food. All right, Jen, thanks for being on the show. All right. As much drift as I did So I had
Never down for the ride 